The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is mental health awareness month and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy by talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace. You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, A few things. So... You can join me on Patreon. It's a subscription-based subscription. That sounds so weird. But uh, my husband and I just did our first video this morning. So that's out there. Uh, You can join. Uh, You can also follow me at Judging Megan on Instagram. Uh, Check out my website. I always love feedback. I always love questions and comments good and well I don't like bad so don't send me anything bad I'm just joking I prefer good but if you do want to send me a comment about something you would like to see or something I said it's okay um today I can't tell you like I'm kind of beyond I hate saying I'm excited about this but I am very honored to have the guests that I'm about to introduce you to in a minute on Because I think what they do is exactly what I think the world needs. We need so much more of this positive stuff in our world where people are trying to be kind and help each other. I can't even believe being an Angelino, which 
my guests and I are what is happening in our world right now. And that, you know, over the, I, I guess over the weekend, there were like people on the 405 doing Nazi signals and say, talking about Kanye West being right. And I'm just sitting here every day going, what is happening? What is happening to our country and our world? And where is the goodness? And where is the kindness? And where is the compassion? And so when I am able to stop thinking about that kind of stuff and spread positive messaging and spread like sharing, sharing what we should be sharing, put it that way, it is so huge to me and so important. And I will get off my soapbox right now. Um, so I, I, this is kind of funny. So my mom I might have already told this story. I'm almost 100 episodes in. Jeff and Kathy, I'm talking to my guests right now. Um, so if you hear, if I've already told this to my my listeners, this story, and I don't remember, I'm sorry, but it's pretty funny. So my mom, we all met up in Charleston for my cousin's wedding in the spring. And I love Charleston, South Carolina. It's one of my favorite places. And um, And my mom is a hoot. And I love saying the word hoot. And she gave me these, like, she gave me this giant stack of, like, papers that I wrote and pictures. And it wasn't just, like, pictures of, like, you know, myself when I was little. It was literally pictures that I had given her of my kids. I was like, are you going somewhere? And I do not know. She gave me this giant stack of pictures. It was so funny. But she also gave me papers and things that she had saved and she's like my mom's super dramatic she's like well Megan you never know you never know when I'm gonna go so I need to give you all this stuff so she gave me this paper and it was written on November 16th 1993 and I've been very open about my struggles and my battle with not only depression and anxiety but just as a teenager struggling and a kid actually struggling with an eating disorder. So I, this is how the paper starts. And it said, November 16th, 1993, I actually turned this in for an assignment. I don't remember for what class it said I was 12 when it, when I began the realization that food was not my friend, but my greatest enemy. I began to look at my chubby young body in a whole new way. The laughs I had gotten in school, grade school, the teasing as to mock my name as Megan Pudgy or my little brother's favorite descriptive name, Big Girl. I was teased at home and at school, but I guess I noticed the weight factor the most at my dancing class. I will never forget the time my dance teacher singled me out and told me that no dancer is chubby. I looked in the mirror and at all the other dancers and I realized I was different from all the rest of and the, and the tears welled up in my eyes. I've never forgotten that feeling. We've all been put here for a reason, and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. 
you are listening to Judging Megan. So that I'm already emotional. I have not introduced my guests. Jeff and Kathy Long have written a book, A Parent's Guide for Anorexia. They also started a website called teensforteenhelp.org. On this website, you can find out about addiction, eating disorders, suicide prevention, anxiety, and depression. They're also going to be adding some new categories. Jeff and Kathy, I am so honored to have you on today. Welcome. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. And thank you for sharing what you wrote. That um, That's brave. That's very brave. Well, thank I you. mean, there's a whole paper paper behind it but I I mean I it's I I knew I had this paper my mom had given it to me in the spring and I found it last night because I knew you were coming on and just the intro of that and then the whole paper going into like my addiction and what I went through during those years you know it's I had I when my mom gave me the paper I'd for I'd forgotten I'd completely forgotten this stuff so it's crazy to me to find this and realize how I, how much I was struggling and my self-hatred. So um, I have two young girls. One actually think, has already started telling me she's fat. She's 12. Happened at the exact same age. So I think it's so fitting for my listeners that you come on and you share your story as parents and what loving parents you are to write a book this way about what you went through. So let's just start there. Can you tell me a little bit about yourselves and your daughter? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our mental health crisis or journey began when our daughter was in ninth grade and we knew she was struggling. Uh, you know, my father's a psychologist and, and I said, when she was in middle school, look, she's wearing black. She's talking to us in one word sentences you know, what do you think? And he said, well, you know, how are her grades? Straight A's. Well, don't worry about it. It's just a phase. And unfortunately, his expertise is in, uh, you know, troubled youth and, and learning issues, but not anorexia, which is an entirely different animal. And it's, you know, eating disorders are incredibly complex. And so, you know, we just knew that she was struggling. And so then we got her into a therapist. Yeah, so we got her into therapy. Um you know, mainly for the depression, because that was so obvious. And, you know, in hindsight, we now understand that when you are dealing with multiple issues, um, when you start to work on one, the other one gets worse. Mm -hmm. So it's like whack-a-mole. Mm -hmm. So as we're working on the depression, her coping mechanism was her anorexia. So the anorexia spiraled out of control. Um, and it kind of progressed like this through, I would say, probably the whole first year of her treatment. Well, let's so see. she ended up in a residential program uh, for her eating disorder. It was severe enough that she had to go in for treatment. And so she, um, so she went into an eating disorder program. Yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, back up a little bit because it was, we were so blindsided by this, right? And so what happened was after the ther therapy, she just quit eating. And, you know, we took her to a doctor who fortunately had had a sister who had struggled with anorexia. And she said, got to get her to residential, you know, her heart beats down to 34 beats a minute. You know, she can't go to PE. We were floored. Yeah. Um, and when you can't take care of your own child and you have to send them to a residential place as a parent, that's devastating. I mean, you know, we couldn't help her. 
And it was really uh, difficult for us. And for whatever we were going through, what she was going through was 10 times worse. And so that just began the journey. And it was four years of in and out of residentials, uh, hospitals, psych ward stays, every kind of treatment we could think of and afford. Um, and, you know, we learned through the process, uh, you know, all the stuff they didn't tell you. In other words, you know, we didn't know about insurance. After the first 30 days, they said, geez, back to wait and healthy to go home. And we thought, oh, we're through this, you know, not knowing that that's not the case at all. That's you know, just back to weight, but none of the issues have been touched. And so, yeah. you know, nobody tells you that recovery is not a straight line. <laughs> no, no. And so, so many ways. And let me just right? ask you, because it is, um, it is, a so, so many times and people don't understand that at the root of most eating, or, or I would say all eating disorders is something else, like some kind of trauma, depression, anxiety, OCD, like all the things that can align or, you know, you choose the path of it. And it, again, for everybody, everybody's different, like in life in general, every human being is different. Every experience is different. People experience things differently. But when you say like, were you noticing signs? Like, were you seeing things like quickly? How quickly as parents did you notice like, huh, she's losing weight. Did you notice any? Cause a lot of times anorexia, they, um, they can hide it for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, you might see them changing or something and it's like, oh my gosh. Whereas for me with bulimia, it's a completely different thing. Um, so, so tell me about that as a parent. Well, she really, we now know in hindsight and, and, you know, speaking with our daughter and our daughter has actually spoken publicly about what she struggled with. Mm -hmm. um, she hit it for years very well. And so she did struggle. We saw the depression and we knew, and as parents, you're like, okay, is this just kind of teenage angst? Is this just, you know, how kids are processing or is this a bigger issue? And so it was clearly a bigger issue. And so we did see the depression and we did see that level of behavior, but the, the, she, she was a great cook and a great baker. And so she cooked and baked all the time. And we now know that that is another coping mechanism, um, for people with eating disorders, mm -hmm. um, to kind of hide behind. Um, so it wasn't until she really allowed her eating disorder to completely spiral out of control. Um, and she finally just kind of gave up that it became physically obvious um, and crucial that she get treatment. Well, let, let me ask you, Kathy, as a mother, like were there, because I know that it is so, um, it's for me terrifying to have my daughter already saying, I, I, you know, she has never said this before. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was like, I'm fat. And part of me was, I was so mad because I've worked so hard on being a parent to make sure that I don't say the things that I say to myself in my head, to my kids, having daughters. Um, but to have a child say like, I'm fat at 12 and by no means is she, but it, it's a psychological thing. Did, was she say, giving you, saying anything like that to you? Nothing. She gave you no signs. No, she didn't. No. She didn't. And I'm a, I'm actually a healthcare practitioner. Okay. And so 
I work with people all the time about, about health and about nutrition and about balance. And so we were never a household that talked about dieting or food or restriction. Um, and, and sadly, Kara kept everything in. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that your daughter is saying that, but I'm also glad that she's expressing it so that now you can have a conversation with her, right? It's when it stays in their head and they internalize it completely that you don't even, can't even have the conversation because you don't know what's even going on in their head. And it, it is, is so it, for scary. me. That is so scary yeah. that she didn't give you any signs. And, and as we go along, I would love tips on what, but I'm not going to do that part now because I want you to finish sharing the story on what mothers, you know, dads can say to their kids, you know, things we can do to be proactive because I think people just don't understand, especially if they don't have a history themselves. Right. Right. Well, yeah, as yeah. a society, we all need to, learn to talk about emotions more. I mean, you know, you have an emotion from the moment you're born until the moment you die and nobody teaches you what does that mean? What's behind it? What are your triggers? You know, and so it's about social emotional education and it's starting now, but it's going to take a couple generations before everybody gets that. And so it's having conversations about your feelings with your children um, right. so they know that that's normal and part of it because it's the danger is in keeping it in your head and not letting it out, not sharing it, not finding out, you know, what it's about uh, and putting sunshine on it, which is what we're doing with the nonprofit. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about what like the treatment process, because I, I do appreciate what you said, like everybody's different and treatment is not a like a one step process. So if you are an alcoholic, for example, or, an, or addicted to drugs and you go into rehab um, and you do the 28 days, right? Well, 28 days uh, having be, befriended my guest, Denise Klein, who runs um, a rehab facility in Malibu, she's constantly like, the, well, that's not enough time. Like, it's like a process of the 28 days and then you can continue re being in rehab and then you go to the, the house, like the, ha I hate, what is it called? Not halfway house, but the house, like sober, sober living, living. Sober. sorry. And then it's like a lifelong process, right? Of constantly working on your addiction. So tell me about that for your daughter, like what it looked like um, getting her well. Yeah, the, the first the first 30 days was at a, a specific eating disorder facility and it was in Lakewood, so it was far away. And we would be able to travel down twice a week to see her. Um, and it was 100% focused on, on her weight and her health. And so she had her vitals monitored twice a day and they sat down and they planned foods and they it was all food related and health, you know, restoring health lots of restrictions on their part. Um, she was beyond angry to be there and mad at us for sending her there. And at that point, I think she admits she absolutely hated us. I mean, she, we were the enemy. Um, and 30 days later, the insurance company, she, you know, hit the vitals and she is an incredibly intelligent young woman. And so she learned very quickly to just repeat back what they wanted to hear so that she could get out. That and is so, so that's so common, by the way. So oh, common, yeah. right. especially in with kids in therapy, 
you know, if they don't want to be there, they're not ready to be there. There's if you're like most kids that don't want to be in therapy or treatment, that's a very common thing that you see. Right. And, and so, yeah, kind of, you know, and she got home and we thought, oh, they said she's, you know, home and back to wait and we'll have a nice Christmas. And that's not the case. And so, you know, a couple of days before Christmas, there was a bad uh, self-harming event that got us to the hospital. And, you know, we spent the Christmas in the psych ward and then got an- another residential. And then after that, we got a third residential. And what we learned is, you know, there's nothing you can do to have somebody recover. It's only, you know, it's, they have to make that decision. And as a parent, you want so desperately for them to make that choice, but you can't make it for them. And so what happened is in the third residential, it was not eating disorder specific. And for her, that was good. She saw all these other kids suffering from uh, addiction, uh, drug abuse, other things. And she, you know, kind of went, well, gee, I'm not the only one that's messed up. And what happened was the beginning of kind of a peer group, a beginning of her being part of something and not just isolated and not stuck with the kids all, you know, kind of you know, what right. are the tricks? How do you hide the food? How, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Not that eating disorder clinics mm-hmm. are bad, but for her, this was a good option. And she needed to, and she explained this to an eating disorder center at one time. And it was, um, it was really interesting because it was all practitioners and it was like this light bulb went on for them because she said, look, when the, the stress of dealing with making my own meal every day was taken away, right? This was an eating disorder. They had an amazing chef. They cooked her the food that she wanted and she would just sit down and eat a meal. And she didn't have to think about it for hours and prep. So that that gave her the space and the bandwidth to look at her depression and her anxiety and work on that because the eating disorder, at least for now, was taken away. And so it it enabled her to build up that foundation, right? It was the building blocks for her to then take on the eating disorder. But she needed to get past that that deep anxiety and depression first. Um, And it's a different approach. It's a very different approach than putting a a kid right into an eating disorder facility. And every kid's gonna be different and every family's gonna be different. And and that's the uniqueness of everyone's journey is you've gotta find the way. And uh, I mean, we just, you know, we did so many different things and one of them, we did was goat yoga, which she loved and I didn't, because uh, I didn't like climbing on me and <laughs> disrespecting your mat. Um, but you know, it, you just you you try to find whatever it is so that they find uh, a desire to live, uh, a reason to live, uh, something to live for. And you know, we learned in the process that it, it is, you know, teens listen to teens; they don't listen to adults and authority figures, and they need that peer group and. And as parents, we needed support groups. And so, you know, it's about finding your peers and finding your support. And she eventually went down to DHB and IOP and, and, you know, had a good peer experience with those teens in a different place and wanted to recover. And we are so grateful for that. So this was a, this was a four year process, you said? Yep. Okay. And let me ask you as parents, what that was like lot was it hard on your marriage was there a lot of blame was there you know people don't really talk about that and what it does to you as a parent 
not to mention the financial aspect of it, you know, like this stuff, don't get me started because this could be a three hour long episode, but just the way that insurance doesn't cover stuff and the expense and all this stuff that you do just to keep your child alive, you know, and the stress that it puts on you. And then you're kind of like just going along for dropping your own life because as a mother and a father, all you want is your kids to be okay, you know? So tell me about that for you both. You know, if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable. No, it's fine. You know, it was, it was super hard. And, you know, I think some of it is you just put your head down and just get through every single day. We have a son who's two years younger than our daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. And so trying Mm -hmm. to create some kind of normalcy for him and, and, you know, letting him know that reassure that she's going to be okay and we're going to be okay. And, you know, we ended up with, um, we went to our own separate kind of support groups. Um, his was specifically for eating disorders and he can talk about that. And I ended up at mine because it was a place that one of the treatment centers took their kids to, and it was a meeting out in Santa Clarita. And when she got out of treatment, she said, mom, I want to keep going to that meeting. And it turns out that it was a meeting for the teens with all kinds of issues, mostly actually drug and addiction. Um, but she liked the support and they also had a meeting for the parents and it's called a light of hope, um, out in Santa Clarita. And they actually fast forward became our fiscal sponsors and enabled us to really launch our nonprofit. And so we're still involved with them and, and it's an amazing organization and it's, it's about the peer group, whether it's a peer group for the parents or for the teens. But like I said, Jeff went to a different group. And, you know, it was just, of course, it was super hard. It was super hard on the marriage. It was super hard on us individually. Basically stopped my uh, career. I was a video producer director. And this is kind of all I could focus on. And we one year drove like 50,000 miles that year just to and from the facilities and the weekend things for her. And and I would sit in my car sometimes and just cry. It was just really difficult. And it was so difficult that we, I was compelled and we were compelled to write a book, A Parent's Guide to Anorexia, because we wanted people to know what they didn't tell you. You know, what they didn't tell you between the, you know, residential place and the insurance and the little things that, you know, it's like, gee, I wish somebody had informed me. Uh, the fact that, you know, well, you know what? That was my next question. So, well, you must be reading my mind. I wanted to find out how you decided to write the book and and um, where also, while we're talking about the book, where people can find it. Um, you know, this is such, such a common theme. And then not to mention, I can't even imagine what it would be like struggling with an eating disorder and then add in the social media component which is terrifying because I didn't have that. And, you know, um, it's, it's very scary to me. So tell me about the book and where my listeners can find it. Uh, where all books can be found on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Amazon. Okay. To be fair, it's more of a guide than a book. I mean, you know, it's 80 pages. I wanted it to be short, but you know, it's important to know that we didn't know things like, when they first told us our daughter had all these comorbidities with it, with the depression, the anxiety, the self-harm, you know, the suicide ideation, we thought our child is broken completely. Well, anorexia comes with a pack of thieves. It comes with these 
other issues. And like Kathy had said earlier, it is whack-a-mole when you get one down and another pops up and that's what makes it so hard. It's like cutting the head off Medusa. Right. Um, so it's really, um, and that's why we call it a guide, a parent's guide to anorexia, because there are amazing books out there that are really great and much bigger. <laughs> and, and honestly, when you're in crisis, you don't have the capacity to read them. And so, you know, we just put down, you know, outline form and diagrams and just bits of information so that you can start to grasp what's, what's ahead and what, what you're in for. And just the simple fact of, yeah, after 30 days, you're not done. This is, you've barely started, right? We didn't, we didn't understand that. You know, we didn't understand that this is years, this isn't months. And so we just kind of wanted it to be a resource guide. Like the whole back is just lists of resources where people can go to find help. So that was, that was the very first thing we did. And we kind of thought we were done in terms of giving back. Um, and then we realized and found out we weren't done. Yeah. And, and that's, I'd love to talk about that because what happened was, uh, you know, my, my father always says, you can't see the rainbow unless you go through the storm. And so, you know, we went through the storm of this and thought, okay, we have to do this. We have to let other people have some of this information that we had to take it on the chin for. Um, and, you know, Kara was kind of finishing up her last treatment center and she spoke at a high school and she told her story, which is really brave for somebody with social anxiety. You know, and I remember asking, how did it go? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? And she said, well, I started to speak and then, then it was over and everybody's clapping and I don't know what happened. I said, well, if they're all clapping, they probably really appreciated it. It's like out of body. <laughs> And so you know, uh, she was on autopilot and then they called up the next year and she was out of treatment. And they said, would she like to speak again? And we asked her and she said, sure. And because she did, at the end of that talk, a boy came up to her and said, can I give you a hug? And she said, why? And he said, well, last year I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to kill myself. And I heard you talk and I got help instead. So that was it. You know, Kara came home and yeah. she was really excited and happy that everything she'd been through made a difference in one person's life. And we now know, again, hearing her speak, she kind of had made that deal with herself, even though she was not comfortable speaking in front of people. She was like, if I can make a difference, then I'm going to do this. And so she got that answer. You know, sometimes we don't get the answer so fast, but she got the answer. That no. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D, designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. 
I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let me, can I ask you how long ago has she... How long ago did this happen? How long ago has she been in recovery and um, and doing well? Um, it started uh, literally the very beginning of ninth grade, um, and she is now a senior at UC Davis. So that's eight, eight years. years. It'll be eight years next month um, that she went. And, and is she has she continued to talk and you know talk yeah. about her journey and yeah. Yeah, she, she must be um, really, really proud of you both. Like, really proud of you. I don't know. We're just so <laughs> proud of her that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, overcome what she's overcome and to be where she is and to do what she's doing. Uh, we couldn't be more proud. She was a keynote speaker at a mental health conference in Orange County about three weeks ago, and it just blew our minds how strong and in her little kernels of wisdom. I wish she could be here today, but she's too busy in school. <laughs> well, I would love to meet her someday, maybe have her on. Um, so tell me about like the journey of where you, where you are today. Like, how did you, so you wrote the guide, which I think is amazing. And to be honest with you, I have, I have had 
a listener reach out to me after I did an episode about their own daughter struggling with an eating disorder and where to go and all of that stuff. And I wish in hindsight, I knew you back then. I still have her info, so I'm going to send this to you. But this happened to me several months ago. Um, But it is so important. And, you know, I say this a lot on the podcast. The best thing that you can do as a survivor of trauma, and you are survivors of trauma as well, is take what you have learned and that pain seems to wash away just a little bit every time you help someone else. Yeah. Every time I, and that's like why I do what I do with this podcast and I meet wonderful people like you selfishly is because my own, you know, journey with all the stuff I've gone through what saved me is meeting people like you, honestly, and doing this and every week, like sharing a story and knowing I'm not alone. And I love what you said a few minutes ago about how our generation, like it's just starting during COVID, I feel like where people are like, you know what, I'm struggling and I want to talk about it. And And that's really all we can do because the more that you get your messaging out about your own experiences as parents going through this and Kara shares her experience is like, that's that one boy at that high school talk that hears her and comes up to her and she saved his life or helped save his life, you know? And that's all, that literally is all you can do in this life. And it's what you're doing. And I am just so honored and grateful to have met both of you because when I meet people like you, it literally makes me be like, okay, well, that 405 incident over the weekend is not, does not define us all and we're going to be okay. And yeah, we're in a really scary period in our world, but it's there, it's people like you that really make a difference. And that's what it's about, right? And also selfishly is heals your own heart of all the pain that you went through. Well, and yeah, what, what happened after, what happened after Kara gave that talk and told us is we knew that at the residential treatment centers, alumni come and they talk about their experiences and it helps the kids. Um, And we knew it was 2018. And so I thought this has got to be online. And we went online and searched and couldn't find it. There's written stories. There's adults talking about it, but not teens. Again, teens want to listen to teens. And so we said to Carol, look, if we build a website where teens can hear stories of recovery from other teens on a variety of mental health issues, would that be a good thing? And she said, absolutely. And for me, that was like, that's what we're going to do. And so we. So tell me, tell me about it. And I know you started it, you said two years ago, which is but PS, right? When I started my podcast two years ago, um, tell me about, I talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but tell me about exactly what it is. It's four teens. Um, do they just tell me about it? In a nutshell. Well, it's called teens and it's the number four teens help. So you have to have the teens, the four, the teens and the help. Otherwise there's other teen help things that are out there that are different. <laughs> oh, I should have said that in the beginning. My bad. Right, right. Sorry and about that. What happened was we had this idea and we thought, you know, we think this is really important because we know these stories save lives. And so I went to USC, my uh, alma mater, and I talked to 
one of their professors and I said, this is my idea for a nonprofit. What do you think? And she said, I think it's a great idea. You know, make three or four of these categories and get back to me and I'll help you get funded. And I said, great. And so we started that process and then COVID hit. And then we got a fiscal sponsor. Um, and then unfortunately that professor passed away, but we just kept going and grinding and, and created, you know, these stories, um, like you said, on, in these different topics. And we wanted to create this center of the target because when we went through what we went through at the beginning, we didn't know where to go. And you go on the internet and there's a thousand sites and a thousand different things. And where do you start? And we thought we want to be a place where teens can go and get mental health information on all these topics and see these stories of recovery where they know they're not alone. Somebody else has gone through it. This is how they got through it. And this is what they recommend. And then underneath that. So we have um, animate, short animated videos about the topic because we just so strongly believe that knowledge is power. When you understand what's happening, it, it takes some of the edge off and it takes that isolation away. Cause we saw some of the things that Kara was trying to figure out what was wrong. Like she knew there were things wrong with her and she was researching, trying to find what it could be. So knowledge is power. So we had these short little videos like underneath anxiety, the videos are like, what does anxiety look like in my body? What are the types of anxiety? What are the causes of anxiety? So they're like four minute videos that are animated that answer these questions that are so important to understand. So we've got the stories of recovery, we've got the animated videos, and then right below that, then we have lots and lots of resources that they can go to for help, whether it's apps, hotlines, websites, um, therapists, therapists, all you know the resources to, to help you get down the road towards your own recovery. When you realize that 60% of teens don't get any help at all, and a lot of the underprivileged, underserved don't have access this gives them a safe place online on their phone whenever they can get online to research it in their time and their space. And that's why it's hard to do it in community centers and in rooms because you don't want to be the kid going to the mental health room. But this way, people can do it anywhere, any time they want to. And then we also have, um, you know, kind of self-help tools, you know, uh, meditation, breathing techniques, all these other things. Yoga, yep. art therapy. And, and we're adding to that. I mean, we're, you know, we're not, we're not even close to being done. We're more at the starting than at the finish, but it's very useful as it is. And we have teen talks once a month where teens interview a mental health professional. It's an open webinar. Anybody can go to it and ask their questions in the Q&A. And then we house library those on the site. Can you set, where, how do you get to the webinar? How do, is that on the website? Yeah, if you go to the yeah. website and you go to Teen Talks, uh, it just you pull down and there's the link. Yeah, it's the second Tuesday of every month. So on November 8th, we have um, Jill Stowell talking about ADHD and learning issues. And she runs um, four different uh, learning centers uh, in here in Southern California. She's amazing. 30 years of experience. Brilliant. We're so lucky to have her. And so she that's a hot topic that, you know, learning issues, learning issues and ADHD is a big subject. Hello, I have it. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell that about me because once in a while I'll be like squirrel. Yeah, I definitely I mean, again, like you said, it's very common, by the way, for people to struggle with ADHD 
di- I was diagnosed, had no idea until after my dad passed away as a kid. I just thought there was like, I couldn't focus, took me forever to take a test. Um, and back then, because I'm a dinosaur, they didn't, that was like a new diagnosis, you know, for me. And the only reason I got diagnosed is because my dad had passed away and I was in therapy and I was talking about like my grades were bad and I couldn't, you know, I'm, I was going through all kinds of stuff. So that's a separate, that's a separate podcast, but I love that you're doing that. And, um, my question for you is, since this is fresh on my mind, I kind of touched on it in the beginning is, You know, I, even though I went through my own struggles myself, I don't know how to talk to my my 12-year-old daughter about the following. And I know you had told me you're adding bullying, Mm -hmm. which is huge onto your website because I try, I did an episode about bullying. I'm doing another one. Um, There's not really any resources for parents, like, except, yeah, you can get books, but there's, it's not like a one size fits all solution for every kid. Every kid's different, like we've already talked about. But I love that you're doing that. But my long winded question is if you have a child saying, like, I'm fat, which I know you didn't go through yourselves, but right. what, what do parents say or do? Like, I, do, I didn't even know what to say to my own child except the fact that I said, I got really angry and defensive and I made it about myself, which I'm looking back on it going, why did I do that? Do you have any advice for me selfishly on that? You know, I, I feel like in hindsight, if that, if Kara had said that to me, I guess the first question is, you know, what makes you say that? Like, what's, what's the root of Mm -hmm. that comment? Right. Um, is it what she's seeing? in media, in print, in social media? And and is there awareness that what she's seeing is so filtered and doctored and, you know, touched up, right? I mean, that's the thing. They're all seeing these images on social media that aren't even real. Right. Are you doing anything on on social media, on the, on the website? Do you have information for kids on social media? It's funny, right? Social media is a double-edged sword. I mean, how are we going to reach teens? We're going to reach them through Instagram. We're going to reach them through social media. And so it, and it's like anything, it's, it's moderation and everything. And that's the message because we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? You can't say all social media is bad and get off the internet but it's about that balance. And it's about, again, it's the knowledge is power and educating them about the awareness of how many hours are you really on the internet? And when you're on the internet for the average now is nine hours a day of screen time. Sometimes it's schoolwork, legit schoolwork. Sometimes it's researching. Sometimes it's the games and the social media and that's where it tallies up. Yeah, they actually have a statistic that, you know, two hours of social media, doesn't really affect your mental health. Three hours and more affects it adversely. And, and you know, the, the big question is, is why do we have this enormous mental health crisis in the most richest and most developed countries in the world, right? And part of the reason is technology. In that, you know, at 2008, the advent of the cell phone uh, or the iPhone and the increased use of screen, screens and mental health issues just, per, you know, just go almost 
parabola. Parabola. They just go straight up because, you know, they're just meandering it 15 or 20% or whatever it was for years and years. And now it's up to 60, 70% with anxiety and depression. I mean, that's incredible. And it's not just technology and social media. I mean, we didn't grow up in a world where you might get shot at school, at a movie theater, in a grocery store, at, at a, a concert. concert. We didn't have, you know, active shooter drills. That is in their consciousness every single day. We didn't have 24-hour news cycles of every horror going on around the world. I was outdoors playing, climbing a tree, you know, I mean, just, you know, mm -hmm. trying to kiss a girl. Their life is so complicated and it's got so much pressure to it with competition, climate change, the pandemic, a country that's divided, AI that feeds you whatever it is you're looking into and can send you down a dark path. Um, a lot of parents, and people my age just don't understand how difficult it is for these kids and that they need support and that they need, uh, you know, just mental health education like yesterday, a lot of it. Yeah. And that's why we're. I think, I think too is, um, you know, I, gosh, I hope my daughter never gets mad at me and listens to these episodes someday. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, don't talk about me on the podcast, mom. Um, but I think that getting your kids in therapy, I would love, I mean, I just think therapy is a necessity for everybody. Yeah. I don't think, I think that if we were all in therapy, we wouldn't be in the place we were, we're all in right now. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Do you think like early intervention therapy your website is a great resource. I just, I would love to know your opinion on that. Oh yeah. No, I think, you know, the more, you know, and obviously there's the right therapist and, and giving people mm -hmm. the space to, to, to say, I, you know, I just don't connect with that person and that's okay, but that doesn't mean you don't ever go back to therapy. Right. Um, and it's also, you know, the emotional education and, and learning and, you know, there's a, professor out of Yale, Mark Brackett, and he, he teaches social emotional learning and he's got a book called permission to feel. And it's almost like if every, every person that was pregnant was given that book before the baby even got here to, to start the groundwork of being okay and comfortable with feelings and being able to have a conversation with them and acknowledging where we're shutting down. And even have the language. I mean, you open up the book and it's like a mood meter, right? There's like, I don't know, 200 different emotions. Most people can name five or six, right? But if you can get granular with it, like that saying is, if you can name it, you can tame it. And so all of these tools that if we can have that conversation and get that just in normal life behavior with kids, the sooner the better. Yep. And reducing the stigma. And, you know, again, societally, I mean, I grew up in uh, a time where, you know, Westerns were big and, you know, men were supposed to not have any feelings. You know, if, if your best friend got shot, mm -hmm. you would bite on a stick as they cut the bullet out of you with a knife and, you know, rub dirt on it and, you know, drink whiskey. Yeah. Don't, don't feel your feelings. Well, that's yeah. absolutely the wrong message. You know, you have to, you know, it's like a steam kettle. If you don't let out the steam, you're going to explode. And so you have to talk about what's going on and about what you're feeling. And, and you can do that with friends. You can do that with, you know, parents that you're comfortable with or another, you know, safe adult um, or a therapist. And so it's just vital. You're right. 
I think too on this like um on the level of like education and schools they need I I mean I love where my kids go to school but I do think that there's improvement needed with with talking about like bullying and all of this stuff at that level as well you know it's kind of like so and so looked at me cross-eyed and then somebody gets involved and you know people are kids can be so mean and you know it's really comes from not liking themselves which right you know even adults can be so mean women in particular um and i love what you said too about men it's true men are taught from a really young age to hold your feelings in don't talk about it don't talk about your struggling um that's why whenever i get men that are willing to come on the podcast and talk about how they feel and their depression and loss and grief and all of the things that men just bottle up it's so important um also what you said about finding a therapist so i say this in a lot i say that finding a therapist is like dating on uh on a like a website although i never did that i met my husband young but dating like you have to date around to find the right therapist right so same thing so for kids if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you have your kid in therapy right now and they're like you know like dreading going to therapy or don't like their therapist there's other therapists out there and i have my daughter in therapy right now and again hopefully she doesn't listen to this but she's very happy i think it's very healthy to be in therapy and i will be quiet about that um in closing i wanted to know um are there any like takeaways that my listeners can take from you today like things like not only just like reading your guide if they have a child that's struggling with anorexia but um and and looking up your website which you can repeat that for me right now if you would like sure it's it's teens that's plural teens for teens help um and then if people want to follow you on social media are you on social media? Yep, we're on um, on Twitter and Instagram, and it's teens for teens help. Just what we are. Yeah. Okay. And so, what is the Tate like the the little nugget or piece of advice that you can give parents that might be going through well, kind of what you went through right just, now? I mean, a couple of things. This is just something that I learned. I mean, you know, when I was a, a parent and my kid was young. I was a professor and I just told them everything I wanted to teach them and told them and told them once your kid becomes a tween or a teen, you have to stop being a professor and be a detective and just ask them questions, you know, and then you can even ask them questions if they've made bad choices, you know, Hey, you were out with Tommy last night and you, you know, guys stayed out late or, you know, whatever, how did that, you know, how did that work for you? Would you do it again? You know, what would you do differently? You know, because they're going to make their own decisions and you get to butting heads with teens and young people by trying to, you know, force them or tell them or preach to them. They don't want any of that, but you can ask them mm-hmm. questions and, and open them up. Um, and you know, I, and I'm just thinking, I wonder sometimes, and probably for myself, I, I, I didn't ask the questions because I was afraid of the answer or I didn't know what to do with the answer. And so it's kind of that, saying of you don't ask a question you don't want really want the answer to um which is not a solution at all 
I just, it was a thought that popped in my head of like, how come I didn't ask more questions? Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask the questions and kind of braille the world together and, and try to figure this out. And I guess my piece of information would be, you know, don't, don't wait, don't think, oh, it's a phase and they're going to grow out of it. Um, don't wait, investigate, get some answers, ask the difficult questions. You know, and, and it's just really important to know that everybody's gone through something. I mean, we all have, you know, our issues in life and our struggles, and it's just about, you know, uh, being kind, being loving uh, with yourself, with your children, with strangers on the street. I mean, you know, it, you know it, it's easy to say and hard to do, but it is so important, um, you know, to have that empathy and, and kind of understanding that, yeah, somebody cut me off. Well, who knows what they're going through today? You know, I mean, um, I knew I was going through it a couple of years ago and that was rough. And so that, yeah. that might be their day today. And even if that's not, I mean, I just, if I give them a pass, it helps me. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think that you are, I would like for you to be my parents. Um, <laughs> if I like could go back and pick parents, I'm just joking. Um, you are both amazing. I love what you're doing. I'm so grateful that I that I was able to get you on the podcast. Um, and I know that you touch so many lives and I hope that you continue to be in touch with me and somehow we can collaborate together because I would love that. Um, in closing, I would love that. Um, in closing, everyone, like I always say every episode, be happy by making others happy. Thank you so much, Jeff and Kathy. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.